You cannot understand America without understanding the South. It's the fastest growing, youngest, and most diverse part of the country. And Southerners are changing the music we listen to, the movies we watch, the food we eat, and the stories we share. I'm John Hammontree, host of The Reckon Interview, and each week I sit down and talk with some of the South's most interesting thinkers and creators. We talk about how this place shaped them and how they're reshaping the South. So go ahead and subscribe to The Reckon Interview, available wherever you get your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. There are a lot of reasons to do virtual school, but it's going to be a tough decision and it's going to be an individual one. Today we hear from AL.com education reporter Trish Crane. She's covered every new development related to the impact coronavirus has had on the state's education system. Beyond new cases and death, the hottest topic as it relates to coronavirus in Alabama is the impending reopening of schools throughout the state. Education officials in more than half of Alabama's 138 school districts have rolled out plans for how they plan to start the school year. Nearly all of the plans give parents and students a choice between traditional in-person school and virtual school. And while most have detailed plans on what will happen if a child or teacher carries COVID-19 into the school, Trish reports that few give a clear picture of what might trigger a school to be closed and in-person learning shifted to virtual. School officials did not expect coronavirus cases to spike in mid-July, so they've had to adapt quickly while responding to pressure from parents and teachers. I talked to Trish about the scramble to reopen Alabama schools as cases continue to rise, what school days will look like for students who choose in-person or virtual education, and which questions remain unanswered for parents and teachers. Trish, all anyone can focus on right now is reopening schools in Alabama, and more than half of the schools have shared plans for how they plan to open the school year, giving parents and students a choice between traditional in-person school and virtual school. And we're less than a month out before some of the schools open as soon as August 5th. And cases are still rising in Alabama, which you note in your most recent article that officials did not anticipate for mid-July. And some plans are a little vague about some scenarios, and some schools haven't even shared their plans. It just seems like all this is a bit of a scramble to reopen next month. Is that a fair description? Well, I think the scrambling part, yes, is a fair description. But I think it's a scramble because we didn't think we would be where we are right now with rising cases, right? I mean, schools have been putting together plans. Hours and hours, hundreds and thousands of hours of work have gone into how do we make the building safe? What are we going to do on school buses? Let's go count our capacity, you know. All of these things, how are we going to have shared supplies? Well, we're not. We're not supposed to. So I think that the plans have had to keep changing. And that's what feels like a scramble. But the officials I've spoken with, they're just being very intentional with, okay, here's where we are. This is the plan now. Next week, the plan may change. Um, so it's that constant adaptation that is has got to be, I mean, superintendents are under tremendous pressure. Educators are worried. Everybody, there's just a ton of pressure on the education community right now. Well, NAL.com has published and reviewed more than 80 plans, according to your piece. And nearly every district is offering at least two options, traditional and virtual. And some schools are using different terminology as it relates to the virtual option. What are those terms and what do they mean? 
Yeah, this is really important for um, parents who are trying to make these choices to understand their school district's plan. Education's hyper-local here in Alabama, so you've got to know what your school district is saying. So everybody is pretty much using the term traditional school for what we, you know, regular, everyday, in-person classes. And so traditional school typically refers to this in-person classroom setting. So then you get into the virtual world, the online distance learning, remote learning, blended learning. You know, there are a lot of terms for what they're calling virtual school. Uh, And virtual school really means that you're taking your classes online. So, again, make sure you understand. You know, some districts have gone into more detail than others, and they'll say, well, we're going to do traditional learning Unless we have to close the building down or parts of the building down or your class has to go home because of a a sick child, then you switch to remote. So there's sort of, you know, again, it's, it's all in the terminology. You've got to make sure you understand what the plan is before you make your choice. When do parents have to make that choice? And even if they pick one option now, can they switch as the semester goes? Yeah, that seems to be causing um, families a lot of angst, you know, this feeling that they're locked into whatever they choose. Most of the plans are saying you're locked into whatever method you choose until uh, you can switch it the nine-week grading period, the end of the nine-week grading period. Some of them say you are locked in for a semester. And, you know, that, I mean, it's not to be mean to parents or, you know, to force them into a corner. It's a matter of staffing. You have to find your virtual teachers. You have to get them set up and you have to have your in-person teachers and get them set up. And plus, they are going to be a little different. You know, virtual school is a little different than in-person and the virtual program might be teaching, you know, things in a certain order where the in-person teacher might be teaching things in a little bit of a different order. And so switching back and forth, you run the risk of losing some continual learning opportunities. So as far as when they have to make the decision, um, those deadlines are coming up. I know that some districts are, as of Monday, you know, today, they have to make that decision. So make sure that you understand what you're signing up for. And, you know, I think that school systems, they sound very rigid, but I can imagine, you know, schools really want to help kids. So if some, if the method isn't working for your child, open that conversation with your child's teacher and with other people at the school, and maybe you can switch before the nine-week or semester deadline. And so once the pandemic hit, the spring 2020 semester ended with emergency remote learning. How will these new plans for virtual learning differ from what schools rolled out earlier this year? It's a great question. You know, over the summer, the State Department of Education purchased a platform for schools to use to do virtual school. Most of the school districts, I mean, well, it's a state law. All school districts had to offer a ninth through 12th grade course plan online. That's been a law for a little while, but K through eight did not have to have a virtual option. So uh, that's why the folks at the State Department said, we're going to do We're going to offer you all some sort of virtual school. Everyone says this will be different. Um, What happened in the spring was, you know, you had teachers who'd never taught online. 
tons of instructional packets, copies were made. Kids had to get, you know, paper. But since then, folks have been adding digital hotspots. Um, they've put Wi-Fi on buses to park out in the neighborhood so that kids can access Wi-Fi. Most everybody says that if you choose virtual of the plans, you know, the ones that are out there, uh, everybody says if you choose virtual, you're going to be provided some sort of technology. But some of them specify you have to have your own Internet access. So, again, you know, make sure that you know whether you or not you're going to get equipment for your child or whether or not you're going to have a digital hotspot to have good Internet access All of those things are really important. Virtual learning is difficult for a lot of kids. You've heard Dr. Mackey, the state superintendent, over and over say in-person learning is preferred. In-person learning is preferred. So I think everybody knows that this is going to be another tough go of a school year. Hold on for the parents who choose the in-person option. How are schools going to keep those kids safe? This is obviously an unprecedented moment for everyone nationwide, but really no more so than for our schools. What should a day at school look like under these new guidelines this fall? That's a great question. And, you know, we saw that change last week when Governor Ivey issued the statewide mask order. Now, it is set to expire before schools open. And a few schools have said, yes, students will wear masks. Most say we encourage students to wear masks. But so let's walk through a school day. You know, we'll start with school buses because a lot of kids ride school buses to school. We know that's going to be a challenge to social distance. Schools just don't have the money to purchase enough buses to get kids to school on time and have one child in every other seat, which is, you know, was original CDC guidance, you know, make sure that you social distance. So some superintendents have been straightforward and said, look, we're going to do the best we can, absolute best we can. But you've got to talk to your child about facing forward, about, you know, not touching each other on the bus. You know, I mean, school bus behavior does not lend itself to social distancing. So this is going to be a challenge. Some of them have said that students will have to wear masks on the school bus. And then others say, we're going to see what that looks like. Districts are encouraging parents who can take their children to and from school to please do so to reduce the load of riders. A couple of them have said that bus drivers will check temperatures. That's not entirely practical. According to some State Department officials last week at the board work session, they said, you know, loading and unloading a school bus is one of the most dangerous times for kids. So you don't necessarily like from traffic, those kinds of dangers, right? So you don't necessarily want to hold everybody up for temperature checks, but um, that's going to be an individual district decision. And so you've gotten on the school bus, you're probably going to come into school through one door or, you know, two or three different entrances. Some have talked about the flow of traffic will be one way in hallways, you know, and these are plans, right? I mean, until, you know, some don't even know how many students are actually going to return to in-person. In fact, most don't know how many are going to return to in-person classes yet. So you kind of have to know that before you can figure out how you're going to get kids moving around. Water fountains mostly will be turned off. Some of them are being converted into bottle fillers. 
some plans said. Some plans said that there will be disposable cups available by water fountains, but water fountain use is discouraged. Um, another thing that's being not used anymore are going to be lockers. A lot of the districts are saying we're not going to use lockers. You know, kids are going to keep everything in their backpack. I uh, didn't see a whole lot of talk about textbooks, like what are we going to do about textbooks? But I think that's still kind of questionable. I know that the State Department wants to move to digital textbooks wherever possible. Let's see, lunchroom. A lot of talk about lunchrooms. Most appear to be using, you know, saying that lunchrooms will be limited to 50% capacity and that classrooms will be used and kids can eat outside. And, you know, as long as the weather permits, they're going to be very flexible about where kids eat. But, you know, the younger kids will likely be eating in their classrooms. Um, one went so far as to say, we're not doing pourable items anymore. No more grits, no more soups, you know, just to limit the number of spills that can happen in classrooms. Most talk about how they're going to try and, you know, keep classrooms as clean as possible. Kids are going to be encouraged to wash their hands often. Some go into detail about restroom breaks. You know, only certain numbers of kids will be allowed in the restrooms at times. And it's, uh, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> um, some of them talk about electives where, you know, parents want to know, are kids going to have art? Are we going to be able to do PE, uh, music? One of the real sticking points for Nat that I've heard in the national conversation are choir and band. And it's, and I haven't written about that yet, but you know, this is where a lot of air is expelled, right? When you've got everybody singing or everybody playing an instrument. So I'm, I'm kind of on the watch for that to see what school districts are going to do. But, you know, and then it's time to board the bus and go home again. So it's, school's going to look very different, I think, than what parents and students and teachers are used to. But I know that our educators are really trying to make it happen in a safe way for kids. Well, there are just so many moving pieces. I mean, based on everything you just said there, how plans are different statewide from school to school. And I just wonder, based on what everything you just said and all that you've reviewed so far, does Alabama's school system seem ready for this? Do parents and teachers feel like the plans are thorough and that their kids will be safe or that they will get the education that their kids need if they stay at home? Are they ready? That's a great question. I wish I could answer it definitively. I know that teachers and school officials recognize the benefit and parents recognize the benefit of children being in school, socializing. You know, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with a statement said we really need in-person school for kids, social, emotional health. This is where kids get fed. There is a reason to have school beyond academic learning. And I think that most parents that I've talked with that are struggling with the decision, you know, there's a risk involved. There just is. And I don't think there's any way, I've not seen any plan that says we're going to be able to keep your child 100% safe from catching COVID and or bringing it back into your home. So, you know, it's a, it's a risk cost-benefit analysis, I think, for most parents. You know, teachers are still very much at the table. They're very worried. Some of them are not. Some of them are, you know, we're ready. Let's go back to school. Some of them are not 
looking forward to returning to school at all. And because they're worried about their health. I mean, we could we could go on and on and expound on what happens if a child gets sick and or if a teacher gets sick, who's going to teach that class while the teacher is out? And there's a lot that's still up in the air that I think schools are going to have to react to as it happens, because plans are just that they're just plans. So you cannot detail every single circumstance that might happen. But I know they're really trying. And I think it parents who are considering doing in-person school just really need to think it through and talk to your school officials. I mean, I think there's, you know, if you if there are particular doubts, I think most are encouraging kids will go ahead and sign up for virtual school, medically fragile kids. You know, there, there are a lot of reasons to do virtual school, but it's going to be a tough decision and it's going to be an individual one. Trish, my last thing for you, What questions are still unanswered about this from your perspective, whether they're from parents or teachers? Some of the questions that I still have are what might trigger a school to close? You know, last year we had a statewide closure. We had one case reported and all the schools closed. Now we're in this position of we have more cases than ever and we're opening schools. So what will be that trigger. A couple of schools have detailed plans about if 20% cases are positive or something like that on a sort of a hyper-local level, talking with local health officials, looking at what the Department of Public Health's data shows, you know, but it's, that's still unknown. And that's, that's what you're walking into if you have traditional learning on your mind, if that's your choice. You don't really know when you're going to be sent home for temporary remote learning. And that is going to be real interesting to watch. Beyond that, you know, I, I think I have lots of questions. Textbooks are one of them. You know, art supplies for kids. Clorox wipes. Will districts pay for personal protective equipment for teachers? You know, there are... I still have a lot of questions, and I think that over the next couple of weeks, we will get more answers to those questions. But I do expect, you know, a couple of school districts have already said, we're going fully virtual, we're not reopening schools. And I do expect more districts to make that announcement. Probably not a whole lot more, but there will be some more that will will choose virtual school for the first nine weeks and then, you know, see where we are. Trish, thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thank you for listening.